This week, Reverend Wendy begins a seven-week series based on Deepak Chopra's book, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. This week, Reverend Wendy covers the first law, the law of pure potentiality, and the fact that we are all pure consciousness. Thank you, Nathan. I don't know if it was so where you were sitting, but where I was sitting. When you finished the song, Nathan, there was just this, ah, a collective sigh, collective sigh. Doesn't it feel like sometimes that's exactly what we need in the midst of just very full and busy lives that so many of us live, just to go, in a way, that's my prayer, that being together on Sunday mornings, at least sometime while you're in this room, that you have that experience of being able to let go and being able to be present to something sweeter and more meaningful and more beautiful than sometimes we're able to, to pay attention to in our busy lives. So anyway, this morning we are about to embark together on a seven-week journey. Are you ready to join me? Yes, okay, good, because I'm ready to be here to explore with you a book that um, I have reread recently in prep for our time together. It's one of Deepak Chopra's more than 80 books. 80 books. 21 of his books have been New York Times bestsellers. This was one of them. This was written in 1994, and the book we're going to explore is The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. The subtitle is A Practical Guide to the Fulfillment of Your Dreams. Anybody interested in that? Yeah, Yeah, the fulfillment of our dreams, seven spiritual laws of success. One of the points that Deepak makes early in the book is that many of us grew up with the belief that to become successful in our lives, we would have to experience relentless hard work. It would be quite a struggle to get there. We would have to be intensely ambitious, and that once we got there, we might very well feel utterly exhausted, empty, depleted, and out of balance. Can any of you relate to any part of of that? Yeah, that's probably why it was a best-selling book, right? And yet he says that there is a different way. There is a different way, a different path into the experience of success. And success is more than what many of us have been led to believe it is. That there is a different way that isn't about such relentless effort and struggle and striving and ambition and hard, hard work. And that other way is very similar to what is taught in Taoism as Wu Wei. Wu Wei refers to the concept of effortless effort. I love that phrase, effortless effort. Say that with me effortless effort. Do you like that concept? Even if you haven't mastered it, isn't it a beautiful thing to to contemplate? Effortless effort. What is effortless effort? It's basically the idea that if we align ourselves with our true nature, if we align ourselves with our true nature, if we live more naturally, more as nature actually expresses itself, we will unfold and grow in grace and ease. 
what is often used as an example to paint a picture of this is just the simple fact of a tree. A tree doesn't have to effort to be a tree. It unfolds from the moment that the seed falls into the ground, it begins the process of naturally unfolding what it already inherently is. Is there effort? Yes, but it is effortless effort because the effort is absolutely in alignment with what that tree is in its innateness. So what does that have to do with us? It actually has an awful lot to do with us, especially when you remind yourself what our innate nature is. And our innate nature is spiritual. We are an expression of the one. We are an expression of spirit, of God, whatever word you're most comfortable with to describe that one. We are made in the image and after the likeness of that. That is what we are inherently and naturally. And when we remember that and align with that, we too, like the tree, begin to unfold with ease and grace. We begin to unfold and grow with effortless effort. Doesn't that sound so much nicer and better than the other way? I'm very interested in this way. How about you? Are you interested in this way as well? Good, good. So we're going to be exploring then how do we do more of that? What are the spiritual laws that help us to live life in an effortless effort way with the journey taking us to the experience of a more successful life? And so now it's important that we have a shared frame of reference for what is meant by a successful life, right? A successful life is not simply about the material aspect of life. Yes, it includes some of that, but success is more than just how much stuff we are able to bring into our lives. Success is really more about this concept of true wealth. And let me define the term wealth. The term wealth comes from the old English, which meant well-being. Take that in for a moment, well-being. When you think of well-being, what are some of the things that come to your mind? Health, that's almost always the first one that comes to mind, right? Our health, does anything else come to mind when you think of well-being? Happiness, peace of mind. Joy, how about rich and rewarding relationships? How about work that actually is the right work for you? Work that allows you to, to be who you are, to make a difference, to give naturally, and to be blessed in the process of giving. Would you not say that that's part of true wealth, true well-being? Absolutely. So that's what we're trying to journey toward. That's what we're trying to, to bring more into in our lives, not just more financial wealth, it can include that, but especially all of these other things. And to do so in a way 
that demonstrates effortless effort. So that when we begin to experience more of that, we're not feeling depleted and empty and out of balance. Do you remember Jesus ta taught a little bit about this? He said, what reward do you have if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Right? What reward do you have if you gain all of that stuff, whatever that is, but lose your soul in the process, lose who you are, lose the, the, the joy of life itself. It's just simply not worth it. But there is another way, and that's what, what Deepak brings forth in this book. So we need to be on the same page with, term, with the idea of success, um, success is more than just the material aspect of wealth. It's all the other things we just mentioned. And we also need to understand that success is the continued expansion of happiness and the progressive realization of worthy goals. So the continued expansion of happiness or joy and the continued or the progressive realization of worthy goals, goals that are worthy of your spirit, of your soul. If you were to get quiet and you were to ask your soul, what are the goals that are worthy of you? You might get very different answers than if you just ask that question top of head. I encourage you to ask that question. What are the goals that are worthy of your soul? So let's dive right in now to the very first law of the seven laws. Deepak says the first law of spiritual success is the law of pure potentiality. The law of pure potentiality. Say that with me. The law of pure potentiality. So what is that? He writes, the law of pure potentiality states that the source of all creation is pure consciousness. The source of all creation, everything physical that we see, the source of all creation is pure consciousness, pure potentiality, seeking expression from the unmanifest realm to the manifest realm, from the unmanifest to the manifest. He writes that when we realize that our essential state is also one of pure consciousness, and pure potentiality, when we align with that, we are actually then aligning with the power that manifests everything in the universe. When we align with that, we are aligning with the power that manifests everything in the universe. He says, when you discover your essential nature and know who you really are, in that knowing itself is the ability to fulfill your dreams. And the more you experience your true nature, the closer you are to the field of pure potentiality. When you discover your essential nature and know who you really are. When I read those words, and know who you really are, an old memory from childhood comes up. And maybe some of you have a memory similar to this. Did you ever do something as a kid? that was maybe a little outlandish or a little bold or a little too much, and a parent or an adult looked at you and said, who do you think you are? <laughs> Anybody else ever? Okay, not all of us, but quite a few. I had that asked of me a few times. Who do you think you are? And I knew better 
than to dare proffer an answer to that question. <laughs> By the pure tone in which that question was asked, I, know I was smart enough to don't answer. You're just going to get yourself in more trouble. But I would answer that question now. And I hope you would answer that question in a similar way. Who are you really? You are a child of God. You are capable of so much more. Why? Because you are made in the image and likeness of that which is pure potential. Everything that is manifest in the world, there's a, a, a law of unity. And the law of unity expresses itself or, or suggests that everything that is manifest in the world, all of the infinite forms of manifestation, beneath all of them, there is one unified field of energy out of which all of that comes. We are not a part from it. We are a part of it. And when we really begin to remember that and work from that level of awareness, our life works so differently than it does otherwise. It is also a little akin to something that we've been studying in our prosperity class, or principles of financial freedom class, and something which I've taught from the platform before, is the levels of consciousness. You see, many people are stuck in the very first level of consciousness, which is the level of consciousness in which the individual feels like life is just happening to them. They always seem to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Nothing ever seems to work out for them. And one word that might characterize that feeling is the feeling of victimhood. But then usually what happens somewhere in that person's life, there's this wonderful divine, I call it divine conspiracy of the universe trying to wake us up. And sometimes it's with a quiet whisper. And if we don't pay attention to the quiet whisper, it can get to be a loud or obnoxious two by four that wakes, up us, wakes us up off the side of the head, wakes us up, and we begin to step into our power which is stepping closer to the field of pure potentiality, but not quite there. Because stepping into our own power is stepping into just our own power. It's a whole lot better than being at that first level of consciousness where we don't realize that we have any power at all. And so we wake up and we begin to realize, wait a minute, yes, I do. I can co-create. My thoughts do make a difference. I can begin to live my life by design and not by default. I can be a conscious participant, and by golly, I'm going to be. And most of society stays stuck in that level and pursues whatever their definition of success is from that level and winds up in midlife, usually, exhausted, out of balance, depleted, or having lost their health, or having lost their primary relationships because they were going after something only from that level two consciousness of creating through pure will, through pure um, work and effort. But there's another level, and that's the effortless effort level. It is a level of consciousness where we become a conduit. It is a level of consciousness where now we are stepping into very consciously the field of pure potentiality, and we are becoming a vehicle of that and for that, and it begins to move and work through us in a way that feels so very different than efforting everything in our lives. Is, does this make sense? Yes, this is in part what this field of pure potentiality is about. It is not about giving up your own individual 
ability to create and your own individual sense of power, but it is to remember that there's something within you that is so much more than that and that you align yourself with that and begin to use that. Do you know what you have to give up in order to make that transition? Ego? Our will, that's the, probably a closer way of looking at it. Our will, our, our sense of control. We have to cooperate rather than try to control. We cooperate with the energy. We cooperate with the power. The tree, as it is growing, is cooperating with whatever the circumstances are in its environment. It's not fighting against them. It is doing its treeness in perfection, in flow, in effortless effort. This is what we're trying to step into, and this is what the field of pure potentiality is representative of. Chopra suggests, though, that in order to really practice this, or, or in order to really to benefit from the field of pure potentiality, there are two things we have to practice. They're both easy to say. They both require practice and consciousness and effort, effortless effort. The first is stillness, stillness as a practice. Stillness. How many of you, as ch when you were a child, had a parent say, can't you just sit still for just one minute? Well, this stillness is way deeper than that stillness. This stillness is not purely ceasing physical movement. This stillness is about touching a quiet state of being within ourselves. Chopra writes, first you have to practice stillness. Stillness is the first requirement of manifesting your desires because in stillness lies your connection to the field of pure potentiality that can orchestrate an infinity of details for you. First, you have to practice stillness. Stillness is a requirement of manifesting your desires because in stillness lies your connection to the field of pure potentiality. The way we often approach manifesting what we're trying to manifest in our lives is not first through stillness. Most people approach it first through action. Action. The action may be preceded by thinking, but thinking is not the same thing as stillness. Thinking is not the same thing as stillness. Stillness is a level beneath the thinking. Stillness is a meditative experience. Those of you who are in the principles of financial freedom class know that when we do some of our meditation processes, that one of the instructions you're always given is when we go into that process and I begin to ask you questions, that you are not to try to think of the answer to the question. You are to be in a state of stillness and receptivity to allow the answer to reveal itself to you. That is a very different experience than the experience of thinking. Am I saying don't think on the road to manifestation? Am I saying that? No. 
what am I saying? I am saying before, even before thinking, make sure you are practicing stillness. Practicing stillness. And the second thing Chopra says we have to practice in order to, to access this field of pure potentiality is one that is a little harder, I think, and it is to practice non-judgment. Non-judgment. He says, when you wake in the mornings and throughout the day, say, I shall judge no one and nothing that occurs. <laughs> Let me say that again. <laughs> when you wake in the morning and throughout the day, say to yourself, I shall judge no one and nothing that occurs. I shall judge no one and nothing that occurs. Let's affirm that. I shall judge no one and nothing that occurs. It might be a very quiet day. You might say, in order to do that, I'm just going to pull the covers right back up over my head. Right? I shall judge no one and nothing that occurs. Why would he say, don't judge? Don't know? I think the reason that he is saying that it is important to cease with the judging, the judgmental kind of judging, is that judgment has a tendency to block possibility. Think about that. I am asking you to think. <laughs> judgment has a tendency to block possibility. When we judge someone or something, and usually, let's be honest, when we're judging, we're usually judging in a negative way, right? When we are judging, we are blocking the possibility. We are keeping ourselves from seeing in a broader way of seeing what might be trying to come forward that is good, despite the temporary disguise that we might label bad. Still with me? So I think this is why he is saying part of the practice to, to, to touch this field of pure potentiality is to stop that kind of judgment. Breathe. Can you imagine starting an, uh, each day that way? Because I'm going to ask you to do it, and I'm going to attempt to do it myself as well. And to go throughout every day, I'm not going to judge anyone or anything. And I'm not going to judge myself when I've caught myself judging someone or something. <laughs> right? Because doing that only compounds the problem. What I will do when I've noticed that I've done the very thing that I said I wasn't going to do is I will acknowledge the fact that at least I was awake to what I was doing. How important is that? More enthusiastically, please. It's very important, right? Because if we don't catch ourselves, if we're not paying attention, then we have no chance of being able to make a more conscious and better choice in the moment. So he gives some homework that I want to share with you. And the homework is this. Number one, to get in touch with the field of pure potentiality, you're going to take time every day, 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes at night, to be silent and still. 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at night, to be silent and still. The second thing, 
It says, take time every day to commune with nature. Go outside and look at something natural. Look at something natural and look at it, take it in for a few minutes. Ask of it, what can you tell me about life? What can you tell me about effortless effort? You know, look at a tree. Look at the grass. What can you tell? Look at the flower that's blooming in the crack in the sidewalk. What can you tell me about effortless effort? What can you tell me that can heal me, that can bless me, that can teach me? So a few minutes every day communing with nature, asking nature to teach you. It will. It will. If you ask the question and give it a little bit of time, it will teach you. And the third is what we were just covering, practicing non-judgment by every day, starting your day and holding yourself accountable as best you can. Today I shall judge no one and nothing. Today I shall judge no one and nothing. Write it on three by five cards. Put it on sticky notes all around your car. Even if you don't do it perfectly, challenge yourself to attempt to do it better than you have before, more consciously. And as the judgment begins to drop, begin to see if there aren't some openings for new possibilities, for you to see something that you hadn't seen before, for the field of pure potentiality to reveal something to you that could be incredibly good that your judgment has been blocking up to this point. Today I shall judge no one and nothing that occurs. Let's close with that together. Today I shall judge no one and nothing that occurs. Man could work for most of us tomorrow be very different. Namaste. All right. <clears throat> so next week, Next week, we will be taking a look at the um, second law, and it is the law of giving. Terry tells me that we do. If you don't have a copy of the book and you want it, uh, I believe we do have some upstairs and partners, so you can grab a copy if that would be helpful to you.